Welcome to Savage Beast. Uh, I'm Joe Gallagher. Uh, with me, as always, uh, in the pit at the Bell and Sebastian show, it's Paul McLeod. <laughs> in the pit at the Bell and Sebastian show, are you like in danger of um, having your shoulder cried on so hard that you uh, become injured? I think you're going to spill your kombucha, which you have in a ah. you know a very nice uh, cruelty-free mug. Mm-hmm. Well, the kombucha is a living thing. It's cruel to that. Have you had kombucha? Um, I've had like the uh, the convenience store versions of it, mm. like that's like a Snapple or whatever. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. I haven't had like a kombucha somebody made in their uh, I don't know uh, in a, in their goat's uh, cured stomach. It tastes like a drink. It's uh, it has a <laughs> flavor. Uh, I just I. Well, did not feel special I, after drinking it. Looking looking at the mother is like I try not to have irrational reactions like this, but the way it looks as it's brewing is so gross and I'm just like, hey, f- fuck this. <laughs> I have not looked at the kombucha mother recently. Oh, look up pictures. It's just like, oh, here's a it's like if you left your uh I don't know, some sugary drink out and it got super fucking moldy over the course of two months or something like it looks that gross but pink floyd's lesser known song kombucha heart mother (laughs) (laughs) excellent uh joe uh q3 has just begun which means it's time to review q1 (laughs) yes i just realized that well we're close close enough we're kind of you know yeah not till july 4th we yeah We've done worse in the past. We have. Um, no, it's good. We've got some albums to talk about, uh, and uh, talk about them we shall. Uh, Paul, I don't have any other music news to relate beforehand, but I do want to note uh, that I did go to a real Bell and Sebastian concert this weekend uh, at the Oregon Zoo, um, and I have two comments. Um, uh other than that, the two songs they played from If You're Feeling Sinister were magically transporting. Good to hear a song that you've loved for like 20 years at live at last. Mm-hmm. Um, Japanese Breakfast Open, they were spectacular. Uh, yeah. Or, yeah, I don't know, spectacular. They were they were uh, gorgeous, gorgeous. Um, I guess it's really just her, but, uh, yeah. you know, all, that, that whole situation is, uh, it's it's fluid, Member fluid. Um. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Grosser than you probably meant it to be. I'm now wearing a uh, pink Japanese breakfast t-shirt. Oh, that is cute. Yes. Um, uh, Is Japanese breakfast like a, a, a figure of speech or is it just nonsense? I haven't looked into it, but I assume it's just like, I mean, they do eat particular things in Japan for breakfast that are 
unique right. to Japan. I yeah. figured it's just referring <laughs> to that for some reason. Um, it's a that good name. Sense. It's a very good like indie band generator name. Like if you if you ran the indie band generator oh, like a yeah. hundred times and you got Japanese breakfast, you'd be like, boom, that's the one. <laughs> I don't think you'd have to get to a hundred because Japanese is definitely like the preferred uh, uh, national demonym to use uh, in the indie band but it, name generator. It would just be like Japanese vampire, Japanese beach, Japanese wolf, <laughs> Japanese eye. Exactly. These blood. Yeah, Japanese blood. Um, the Japanese. Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> um, oh, man. Those are all great band names. Excellent band. Half Japanese. Good band. Um, yes. Uh, and then also my other comment is, uh, it drives me insane when you are at a show, a beautiful outdoor show. Most of the seating is at a lawn on the lawn and there's a band playing. They're very danceable, well-known songs and just nobody fucking stands up. I mean, I was like one of the few people standing up for most of the show. So to me, oh, that's man. that's the Savage Beast ethos. We stand the fuck up, no matter what. Yeah. If as soon as you're as hard as like Bach, then I have to stand up to listen to it. Yes, if it's live. Yes. Um, I just can't imagine sitting on the lawn while a band plays some of my favorite indie songs ever. And just like sitting there on the lawn with like everyone like talking around me and like you can barely see over people's heads. Like stand up. Oh yeah. That's no, that's you can you can do that anywhere. <laughs> but I did stand up. I'd had enough IPAs that I really did not give a shit. Um Yeah. God bless you. S- yes. Yeah, so these are my two comments. Let's let's get into the music. Okay. Uh um yeah. we each have six Joe. There are two crossovers yes so that's yes. 10 albums we can do this awesome i say we do uh the crossovers first okay let's save uh, the last for first and that that didn't okay. even work <laughs> let's save the best for first there we go <laughs> that's it i was like trying to figure out if you were making a joke that i didn't understand and uh <laughs> Just a total, just a total verbal gaff. Um, okay, uh, yeah, let's do um, JPEG Mafia. You think you know me? Soft as shit, shit, bitch. Wet, wet, wet. Changing their pitch. Chop 
that was a real uh, N-E-G-A, nega, let's say, um, by uh, JPEG Mafia, all one word, off his album Veteran. Also known and, as uh, Peggy. Yeah. Um, is that like your preferred nomenclature? No, I, he um, just calls himself Peggy. I enjoy right. it. It's a good nickname. It's it's a good, it's it's clever. Um, and uh, that was like a very eventful minute, which I think is, um, even if nothing else quite sounds like that, uh, even more lunatic version of old dirty bastard uh, type of hip hop. Um, it's all pretty wild and it's always changing up a lot. Like uh, this album is 47 minutes and uh 19 tracks so um it switches up a lot and it's uh i don't know what i love about uh this album and going back through his discography there's a lot of good stuff that he's been producing that i haven't really noticed before um is uh just how i don't know uh a true iconoclast who also uh bangs with his beats um is always gonna work well for me. I mean, I guess Kanye might be a true iconoclast, but he's too dumb. Um, so uh, <laughs> too <laughs> dumb and too Mafia, rich. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> JPEG Mafia uh, seems to hate everybody, um, but is also uh, just clever enough and definitely super inventive in the way he uh, makes hip hop both um, really weird, like really really weird. Uh, but also um, totally uh, listenable at the same time. Um, yeah, how do you feel? Absolutely. I think this album was something I'd been looking for for a while, which is, I think you put it well, someone who's trying to do something very new, very uh cutting edge very uh, boundary pushing with hip-hop beats um this little sample uh definitely showed that where you know at times the his beats seem a little out of control they seem mm -hmm. uh you know random and disjointed his samples seem almost uh you know like they're chosen um you know to be uh, somewhat difficult to listen to, um, but it all fits together really well um, because, you know, the, the focus is not on what you look for in a traditional beat, which is just that, you know, it sits there, like gets you pumped up or it's good to, you know, uh, yeah. smoke weed to. It's, it's something that's supposed to like move you in a more, uh, complicated fashion and um, and you still I mean of course a lot of these songs get you pumped up um, baby I'm yeah. bleeding is uh, uh, this album is um, which I think we played in a previous episode uh, is it's definitely been my get pumped up song of the year so far um, and I think but of course a lot of that is uh, due to what a good MC JPEG Mafia is mm -hmm. um, and he really does um, make you uncomfortable. Uh, you know, he's not just, yeah. he's not shouting things that are just, you know, outrageous or so like crude and obscene. Uh, it's, it's thoughtfully crafted to be, um, you know, unnerving and to make you feel like an outsider to what, 
um, to what he's doing. Um, and he's certainly uh, on this album, I would say, hostile to uh, his, <laughs> yes. his to many kind of members of his audience. I guess as a uh, white member of his audience, I noticed that he is uh, hostile uh, to me. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think he is, um, probably the, uh, probably suffers a bit in the popular imagination from being so different, um, from what's expected of a hip hop MC now that I'm sure a lot of people have their, a hard time getting their heads around this. Um, but you should, it's, if you love hip hop and if you're interested in what it's going to sound like in five years or 10 years, uh, I think this album is a must listen. Yeah. I don't know. It'd be interesting to see if, uh, the future course of hip hop bends in this direction. Um, it, I guess I would say it feels like a, a true punk hip hop album. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. like, you know, just like, uh, that, uh having a lot of energy hostility and a total disregard for uh anything nice <laughs> sounding yes um so uh yeah um everything else yeah you said i absolutely agree with uh he's uh he's a real interesting dude i didn't say anything about the lyrics but i agree it's like they're provocative um because uh he definitely seems like a political outsider. Like he, he definitely uh, hates the alt-right. Um, but I don't know. He's like even kind of hostile for a member of the dirtbag left a little bit. It feels like uh, is how I would put it. So um, one yeah, of the, interesting dude. One of the t-shirts for sale on his Bandcamp page is a tweet from 2014 by him predicting Donald <laughs> Trump would be president. Like it's just a screenshot of the tweet. Mm-hmm which uh so good yes so good um yeah and i i think <laughs> i it, yeah just to you know follow up i think the i really like saying it's like a punk record for hip-hop that is definitely mm-hmm. um what it sounds like uh and you know a hip-hop needs to go through that punk phase and you can really see you know the next kendrick or like you know the next big um uh, MC who's really known for his artistry, um, kind of taking cues from, you know, this sort of, uh, punk, punk ass shit. Yeah. What if trap is hip hop's punk phase? That would suck. That's, ah, God, no. Hopefully ha- I trap is his hip hop's disco phase. Let's, let's go with that. Yes. Anyway. Yep. <laughs> Um, that works really well <laughs> i choose to believe so let's see okay so our other shared one joe longtime podcast favorite car seat headrest mm-hmm. with twin fantasy yes uh the re-recorded 2018 version of twin fantasy
answers come, it'll be more rewarding. I would speak to you in song, but you can't sing, as far as I'm aware. Though everyone can sing, as you are well aware. I keep so quiet, it's hard to tell I'm Okay, uh, that was uh, Bodies by Car Seat Headdress from Twin Fantasy. Um, I uh, was lucky enough to see uh, CSH uh, at the beginning of the year on the tour for this album, um, which was really fun. Um, uh, the songs from it sounded great live. They they expanded to be a seven-piece band. Um, and uh, it really brought new depth and volume to the songs, which I think is kind of what their, um, uh, you know, the re-recording of it. Uh, it's been a while since I've listened to the original, um, uh, uh, but that's the, you know, it, it sort of brought a, a uh, you know, a, a complexity that the songs did not have since uh, most of mm. Will Toledo's work was, uh, you know, a w- one person lo-fi yeah. bedroom recording um but so you know and and uh one notable thing about this concert is that uh you know will was uh mostly just singing on the songs um you know leaving the guitar oh, duty, really? duties to um his yes to the uh uh he the i don't know the name of the lead uh, guitarist for the band but uh, he is also excellent um and it really gave me the impression of uh, like uh, the Strokes being on acid, um, just jamming, <laughs> jamming in the garage until everyone falls over and starts making weird sounds and laughing strangely. <laughs> um, and so, you know, and, and compared to uh, Teens of Denial, um, this is both more, you know, it's more in your face and also more out there. Uh, and it's a it's it's fun, and I see why they um, thought this material was you know worth going back to, um, because I think it does fit in uh, as a natural progression from from the last album. I think it does uh, seem like um, that you know with with sort of that whatever they learned from Teens of Denial uh, in terms of making these songs tight um the material itself is appropriate for that um and of course no one can fucking do epics like them and i think yeah uh, this this album in particular features uh beach life or death which is uh 11 yeah. 13 11 or 13 just crazy 13 crazy minutes that go back and forth between Emo, punk, indie, and fucking excellent uh, all-rock jams. Um, yeah. yeah, that's the second longest song on the album. Yes, um, you're right. But, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, totally. Uh, this album, um, so I put it on here because it's a really excellent uh, rock album. And I think mostly what uh, especially works well for me is the last point you got to which is uh, the the epic jams. Um, I was thinking there's just like a, it's like a really special quality. Um, it doesn't seem like it would be that hard, and I can't even say I know for sure uh, what makes some bands able to do this and some bands not. 
but um like when they really rock out and go on a big wailing uh distorted crescendo um like it feels very real and raw and there are other bands like this like modest mouse or uh cloud nothings or something like that but really most of the time when you listen to rock and they're really going for it like it it comes up feeling a little contrived uh for me like most most bands just end up sounding contrived because it's like kind of an obvious move so i don't know if it's like how hard he hits the strings on the guitar or the fact that he has a really excellent uh yowl for a young man um or just them being a talented band that plays with uh, intensity and urgency uh in some other more subtle way but uh uh, that's ultimately what I think makes this band feel um, way more real and alive for me than most other uh, rock bands uh, that are doing the job right now. Um, other than that, I mean, I I don't uh, I didn't like this album as much as I liked Teens of Denial, but I thought Teens of Denial is one of my very favorite albums I've ever heard, so that's fine. Um, it's yeah, that's uh, a high really bar. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, it's a it's a really excellent rock album. Um, a little bit. Uh, it's I guess if there's an interesting thematic shift, it's that it's less sort of like uh, I don't know literate outsider slacker and more like immediate personal story uh, on this one. Um, so uh, an interesting different direction. I had never heard the original, so uh, I keep wanting to say new direction, but I guess it's not really a new direction. Um, but yeah. Yeah, car seat headdress. Keep doing, keep doing it. You're, um, yeah. you're one of the only ones who is doing it right now, and mm-hmm. we appreciate that. Okay, uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go ahead and pick one. Uh, I think we should do Maxo Cream. Remember roaches in my ashtray and roaches in my cereal. Air Force knockoffs with the Gucci print material. Way before the iPhones, Twitter, Gram socials. I'm talking about next tail chirps, boost mobiles. Back when a face that was for OG killers. Now I'm seeing teardrops on you, SoundCloud niggas. Remember back when music had content and metaphors. Way before the mumble nonsense and popping handlebars. All these rappers, junkies talking like they dope dealers. One song a scammer, the next song they killers. First Time I shot the gun, the neighbors called the people. I was watching 12 search for shells like Easter. That's around the time they shot my daddy for the rollie. Around the same time, AI lost to Kobe. Platinum Fubu Summers rocking iceberg in the winter. Throw back headbands in them spree world spinners. Fucking the computers using line while your bad shut. Bootlegging boosters selling CDs at the daycare. Saving up Walla Bean bag for my stash spot. Mama still ask me how the fuck I get that Xbox. Around the first time. I saw my uncle smoking crack that was Maxo Cream with Roaches off his album Punkin, his debut album, um, after a few uh well regarded mixtapes. Um uh Maxo uh is from uh Houston, Texas area, and like many uh great Houston rappers, uh really emphasizes uh, telling a story with all of his songs that, um, you know, storytelling um, drive is at the the forefront where um, I think in this song, 
you, you know, from starts with the chorus uh, and and the verse, you're just immediately on his side. He immediately like gets like half of his life story in there um, and, and paints <laughs> a, a really vivid picture of him growing up and um, how his life uh, seemingly uh, does actually reflect the sort of gangsta shit that many MCs talk about. Um, uh, and uh, I, he has some choice lines about that, which I, as a white podcaster, cannot repeat on air. Um, but, uh, um, um, and I, I, I find, uh, I was just taken in by this album because, uh, you know, I did, um, really enjoy, uh, the various little, uh, journeys that were on it. I enjoyed his honesty and I enjoyed how well he put these stories together, um, uh, into, uh, or how well he was able to meld them with his, really laid back flow um which uh is excellent um and many i wouldn't even call it laid back i would call it uh yeah that's steady. not steady i would call it steady um it it really does that when you say the word flow it's really um you know this is what you mean where no matter what he's talking about no matter um you know where he is in the story he's always you know kind of going up and down back and forth um and, um, you know, and, and I think this song also gets to, you know, a, another part of his honesty is like where he is, uh, you know, at a Floyd Mayweather party in uh, Vegas. And uh, then he, you know, Hurricane Harvey is going on and he's trying to get back to help his family and he can't. Um, and that, you know, the story is really compelling. And I mean, that's like a fresh memory for yeah. a lot of us. We know people in Houston and. Uh, it's, um, you know, the, the, he talks about it in a way that seems really genuine, uh, and, and real. Um, yeah. So, uh, that's mainly why I like the album. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I don't have much to say about the, the, the beats and the production. Certainly there's, uh, it all fits what he does. Um, but the star of the show are, are really his lyrics and flow. Yeah. I, uh, enjoy him taking shots at SoundCloud rappers with uh, teardrop tattoos. Yep. Um, uh, and also their mumbling. These are both excellent takes by Max O'Cream, mm-hmm. um, who uh, really does seem to be, I mean, the, there's a certain like, uh, uh, what was the word? There's a certain gangster persona that's actually believable, which is this sort of like uh, guy like him who seems both uh completely uh unapologetic about the kind of life he's had to lead and um uh not even really regretful but definitely also uh kind of bummed out about it like this is yes uh, he recognizes that there's something really shitty but it's also his shitty thing and so he's like mom it's my fucking thing man um so uh i think that's what's uh sort of intriguing about him as a persona because like you say this album really is about his persona and what he's talking about and also just that he grounds it in such good detail of uh you know just real things that happen in people's lives like talking about seeing his uncle smoke crack for the first time (laughs) or 
like the the various crimes that his uh the women folk in his family uh covered up and then from the cops and then like you know uh sought to lay down the law about internally um it's just all like really really well drawn um you know like you said the beats aren't like the star of the show but um while sort of they serve like uh i think they would be if you like current production you would probably be into these i i found them to be interesting um they keep they keep it a little more uh avant-garde that's not the right word a little more inventive than uh some trap beats do and uh so i i had no complaints about the production um and like you said his he just bounces so hard on his flow not really hard but so buoyantly haha um <laughs> <laughs> that uh it's it's just fun to listen to even when he's talking about really really dark shit that makes you feel bad about um being an american uh particularly an american of privilege so there you go he is funny at time uh he is frequently yeah. really funny um you know throwing little lines in like uh uh jenny craig with him pounds get him off like it's a good way to say you're <laughs> selling pounds of drugs um <laughs> Uh, and, um, you know, and, and a lot of the, I think a lot of them are, are funny in, in a way that is not, uh, it's not cheap. I mean, um, you know, he's, the stories are funny. Like, um, auntie there's in the song grannies, he says, auntie Trish was smoking up my weed. She, she used to work my patient patience it's just like his aunt is stealing his weed and then later she comes back and like he says they they robbed an asian lady and auntie trish didn't snitch on them except to the police but she did tell his grandmother yeah exactly (laughs) it's like that's it's a funny story you know um and that that's what makes it good and that's why i i really have enjoyed listening to this album and, and coming back to it good stuff um, well, in the interest of not being here all night, let's move it along and I will next choose, um, let's do Jeff Rosenstock's post. Cool. Dubs out to down, trod in hand, dejected, crestfallen, grief stricken and exhausted, trapped in my room while the house was burning to the motherfucking ground. Essay by Jeff Rosenstock, a uh, typically um, uh, overt um, 
overtly political and and angry and and I guess politically ironic title for Jeff Rosenstock. Um, I don't know if there's too much to explicate about uh, this album by Jeff Rosenstock that I didn't say um, a couple years ago when I put his previous album Worry among my best of of uh, Q4 or whatever that was. Um, but because it's just like it's really good, uh, extremely sing-alongable and bounceable uh uh power pop rock that um you know in a in a very weezerish vein um that has uh some very um actually dirtbag left type sentiments on it um <laughs> expressed with a little bit of Isaac Brock's uh facility for uh twisting around um you know, common figures of speech or sayings in a way that, uh, is funny and, uh, uh, and, and true. Um, for instance, you know, like in the song we just listened to, like I fought the law, but the law was cheating. It was a good misdirection. Um, but, uh, yeah. So I continue to like Jeff Rosenstock and his whole deal is the story here with good cause. Um, I, I admire how, when a song like USA starts, you're like, oh boy, this is going to be political. And then, you know, by halfway, you know, even like a third of the way into it, you're like, yeah, fuck yeah. I'm, I'm <laughs> exactly. riled up. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's so much more articulate than your typical like sloganeering rock star. Yeah. Um, just he's, he's good at writing lyrics, basically. <laughs> yeah. I, I fought the law, but the law was cheating. Uh, I screaming for help, but somebody keeps on telling me to settle down. Um, <laughs> I, that's, that's good. Um, uh, yeah. um, and, uh, he, to me, it's funny. Uh, I like the Isaac Brock comparison with the lyrics. I get a, a Connor Oberst feeling, uh, with his manic energy yeah. that he brings to the songs. Um, seeming like he's about to, burst out of my headphones and and start yelling right at me um and uh there of course is also i think our last time when we talked about uh worry um you know i think he he uses some of that warm neutral milk hotel uh type distortion uh, much to his benefit and it's just a really uh solid solid ass rock album um solid ass rock album um we just we just <laughs> talked about car Put seat. that on the cd cover <laughs> we talked about how car seat uh headrest you know um they're one of the only ones doing doing this now and uh, uh jeff rosenstock is uh, definitely one of the other ones um and uh i it it's as riled up as the subject matter might get you in some of these songs or how you know, a, emotional political they might be. It's also um, very, it feels like coming home to just listen to such a good uh, alternative rock record. Yeah. It's always nice to hear a uh, genre you've known and loved for a long time that seemed kind of played out, um, sound fresh. So that's another thing I really love about Jeff Rosenstock every time. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's talk about another artist we've talked about before, uh, Sir. Tell me I've been on your mind You 
listening to what we like Made the perfect little playlist Looks like somebody was making plans To welcome me home again But I landed early I couldn't wait, I've been missing you lately I made my escape But it seems like I'm already here in your dreams And I couldn't stand to mess up a good Joe, I'm dreaming of you. Will you wake me? I will. I will, Paul. Um, we uh, uh, already talked about this album uh, in uh, somewhat significant detail uh, earlier this year uh, because it's it's that good. Um, and I think that uh, just as a brief refresher, Sir ha- is a fantastic um, uh, hybrid of R&B and hip-hop um, probably, you know, a little more to the, the R&B side. Um, and this 30 minutes of songs uh, just flows together so well uh, that you can really put it on. I've found that, you know, I can put it on in in the morning. I can put it on, you know, in the middle of the day when I'm doing work, or I could put it on in, at the end of the night, you know, when I'm sitting around chilling. And it, it works for all those situations um, because, you uh, despite the fact that it's so mellow, um, it's also uh, very, it just fills you with a nice uh, uh, galactic glow as you kind of cruise along <laughs> in the fictional, fictional spaceship uh, that it speaks of. And um, there's, there's always space uh, to, cruise, to cruise in your mind to, to new worlds, to a more relaxing place. And Sir is a good guide. <laughs> yeah, um, I don't have anything new to say. Uh, I think you encapsulated uh, why this is a really excellent album very well. Um, there's no reason it's not on my list. I'm, I'm going to stop even saying that because it's just like there's just always lots of good music, and that's why it's not on my list. Um, it's it's an excellent album. Um, and uh, yeah, I guess it just to if I if I'm going to say something, I'll pick something specific and say that is the song that we just listened to, "Dreaming of Me." that I, f- I can't tell if it's a sample. I don't think it is. It sounds like a modal transposition of uh, the, the little beat hook from uh, Explosive by Dr. Dre, mm-hmm. which we talked about on yes. our 2001 episode. And so I immediately get both of those songs stuck in my head as soon as I listen <laughs> to either one, which is great. Not a bad thing at all. Paul, we didn't talk about our honorable mentions. Did you have any in particular you wanted to call out? For you this. know what? I did. I'm going to do it just because there were like 12 albums that could have been on my list. <laughs> um, so I mentioned uh, last time uh, Milo. Uh, I, he was in a, my best of Q4 mm-hmm. uh, a scant few months ago. His alter ego, Scallops Hotel, had one of my favorite albums of Q1 that I only excluded just because I had already done Milo. Um, uh, let's see what else. I liked the U.S. Girls album quite a bit. Um, much to my surprise, I liked Laurie Anderson and the Cronus Quartet's album called Landfall quite a bit. Uh, did you listen to that by any chance? I did not. Uh, really, really good sort of chamber orchestra stuff in that. Um, 
it's about uh whatever hurricane hit new york city a while ago um super organism is like the best like sort of bubblegum indie pop album i can think of in a yeah, while that's uh, a fun kids enjoy that one that's a fun one yeah um and there were a bunch of other ones that are uh really interesting young fathers uh coco sugar is a f- good album i is there i ha- i'm looking at a list of 48 albums here <laughs> <laughs> delightful I don't know. Okay, maybe I know how to say them. Crangbins, Con Todo El Mundo, uh, is a really mm. cool. I saw it listed as like one of the best hip hop albums of the year so far. I I don't know if I would call it that. It's like um, spacey seventies guitar jams, but with okay. a really good beat. I don't know. I don't know how to describe it, but it it slaps. I remember. I remember thinking about this, but it's not on my list. I hope that wasn't an oversight by me. It would be. It, it would definitely be one of your one of your jams. Um, All right. So I'm going to choose one now, and it's going to be "On and On" by Tongue. At least that's how I pronounce it. track open from uh tongue by on and on which is a project um i don't i didn't do a whole bunch of research on exactly who put what sounds on this but the dude um it gets labeled as like an electronic musician sort of but he's almost shifted entirely to just doing sort of uh things that are almost sound like electronic-ish music but played with real instruments like that gorgeous saxophone right there um indie music continues to make me feel really stupid for not sticking with becoming awesome at saxophone because uh turns out it is a good instrument um despite what we all thought in the 90s um but uh this album you know i am not mr smooth and relaxed and mellow most of the time but uh i think i think if there's a kind of ambient music that works really well for me this would be it and it's not really ambient um even though it is uh, relaxing. Um, just, uh, I don't know. It's <laughs> really interesting composition, very soulful playing. Um, 
very chill but also sort of weird sounding at the same time and i mm-hmm. i guess enchantment is the sort of uh sensation i get out of it like i can just sort of be chilling to it and uh it makes me f- it, it it's almost like a like druggy in the sense of ha- not f- like feeling like being on drugs in the sense of like a regular drug but it uh <laughs> alters your mind state sorry this is hard to describe there you go yeah, you know, I would I would say that it wasn't relaxing so much as hypnotic to me. Yeah. And I, I found myself being dragged out of the other thing I was doing while I was listening to this and, and being pulled deep into the music and to find myself in a like somewhat surprising uh emotionally vulnerable state. Um, I think yeah. conjured up by by the beauty of it and uh, by uh, the thoughtfulness uh, with which it was all um, composed and put together. And I, I can't say that I, there were like many moments on this album that stuck out to me, but like I, I could that I couldn't remember them. And I went back and it's yeah. just like every time <laughs> you're like, wait, OK, I'm still enjoying this. But what what part of what song was good? You know, and it, it, that's sort of the trance that it puts you into. Exactly. Yeah. There's not like it's just a sort of like really affecting and powerful mood that flows over you continuously throughout the thing. And mm-hmm. then, um, yeah, I mean, just listening to that, like I felt I feel wistful now. And um, also appreciative of the beauty of life. Um, It's it's just, uh, you know, what good uh, instrumental, you know, classical ish in the in the spiritual sense anyway, music can do. So um, uh, very good. um, R.I.Y.L. The fleeting transient glory of life. Yes. Yes. Um, It is. It is transient. Okay, let's go to another album. Let's talk about the Decemberists. Uh, I'll be your girl. Will you, Joe? I will. All for once in my, all for once in my life. Could just something go, could just something go right All through once in my, all through once in my life Could just something go, could just something go right? I've been waiting all my life. I've been waiting all my
Okay, that was uh, Once in My Life, the first song off the Decemberist album, uh, I'll Be Your Girl. Uh, I probably like this album uh, for a reason that many, uh, reasons that many Decemberist fans do not like it. Um, <laughs> I love that it's stripped of a lot of their usual pretension um, and seems to be a more open and personal exploration of of where they are in in their lives right now this song and and uh, which i think is like the second signal and uh the song severed well severed is is a more is a synth heavy song and it uses the menace that has shown up in many of the decemberist um you know stories that they told in their songs um for a more direct purpose, um, just as this song um, kind of uses some of the sentiment and melancholy that shows up in those those story, you know, elaborate stories they tell, again, to tell a simpler, um, more straightforward message. Um, and, and that kept happening as I listened to this album um, as uh, some of their overly verdant production had been stripped down to be, become more vulnerable. Um, I know they ditched their uh, uh, longtime producer um, for this to get a, um, um, you know, a, a more uh, out there uh, guy who, who, ch- who would challenge them and bring new sounds. And uh, I, I think it showed. And to me, as someone who had a, as as always really like the decemberists but as listeners of this podcast will know um got uh easily overwhelmed sick of their act um this record uh just brought me back to all the things that i uh really loved about their their first couple of records and at the same time was uh completely new for them it seemed like you know more of uh uh an indie rock record uh rather than uh nautical neutral milk hotel <laughs> so yeah yeah i that's um that's why it was one of my best of and uh, in, in particular the strength of of you know a few songs it's just um, really, they really suck out to me. And this, this album was the vehicle for some of my favorite songs of the quarter. Yeah. Um, you know, what's funny is, uh, so I checked out on the Decemberist like a couple albums ago. Um, whereas earlier, you know, when they're early in their run, like I, I considered them one of my favorite indie bands of the moment, but eventually it just got to be like the same Decemberist shit, but a little less good every time. <laughs> right. Um, and, uh, which is just kind of depressing. Like if it's just not, unless you're a dinosaur, if it's, unless you're dinosaur, it's still good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's true. Actually, <laughs> it's actually really true. Um, but, um, you know, so I like the Decemberist more than you did. I think once upon a time. Um, and, uh, to be honest, when this album came out, I was sort of like, Oh, the Decemberists are still making music. Um, and I think I, I, I don't even remember whether I listened to it all the way through the first time. Um, I remember listening to it and thinking like, yeah, this is fine. And I probably would have never thought of it again until I was Mm. shocked to see that you put it on Mm -hmm, your list. mm -hmm. 
and going back and listening again, um, I can see a lot of the charms that you're talking about. You've you've characterized it well. Um, the uh, the it kind of sounds like a band that you know uh, made a name for itself uh, with a bunch of um, uh, very strong affectations that happened to be maybe not happened to be, but that were uh, very much. Uh, in step with the hipster sensibilities of the time. Um, uh, it sounds like a band who built a lot of their identity and probably, you know, their self-conception on those sorts of affectations. Finally being like, you know, we don't, we don't have to do that stuff. We can just write regular, you know, uh, <laughs> yes. pop rock songs <laughs> and we can sing them. And, uh, you know, maybe our skills at making music are what are holding us up this whole time and not, um, you know, the twiest shit we can think of. Um, Mm -hmm. And uh, so while it didn't quite rise up to the level of, like, one of my all-time favorite records, um, it's uh, a very respectable choice and uh, definitely a really good album if uh, that's the kind of thing you're looking for, just sort of, like, good mid-tempo rock. Yeah, you know, I'm sensitive to the fact that this is a a late career record it just has that sound at times um Mm -hmm. and it but there's definitely like a that that can get to a cringe level like the most recent modest mouse album is like oh yeah way above that cringe level and i think they keep it below here and that really allows me to enjoy all the things that I like about the album. Um, you know, even though, uh, you know, like we say, so many of these bands, you know, if only they could record like every album, you know, 10, you know, in the like five year peak of their powers, you know, they, they got to get yeah. pump out 10 albums in five years or something like that. Um, um, you know, that that would be ideal um <laughs> then slowly release them uh, but they can't do that um and i think i think you put it well that that there is um uh the affectation has been dropped here and uh it was refreshing to listen to um and i think um it probably my last comment along that line is just interesting to hear the decembers do that um which is why mm. this is one of the albums i enjoyed the most um uh, from this quarter it was interesting um, although I agree with you as, as a collection of mid-tempo rock songs from late career, uh, indie band, um, I, I don't think it'll be on my best, best of all time list anytime soon. Yeah. I didn't mean that a, to, as a, as an insult at all. I just, no, no, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's very good at what it does. Um, uh I, yeah I, it's a good album that's all i meant to say <laughs> yeah 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 well there's no I caveats yes <laughs> yes totally totally yeah um you, you know there's songs that there's albums that make the best of the quarter that aren't like the best of the year yeah. and it's you know they're they're sometimes they're more interesting and less good yeah i mean they're it is definitely not the case that there are 25 albums in the typical year that i love um but right. they're definitely 25 of those that I like a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, uh, so yeah, I'll go next with um, uh, Profligates Somewhere. 
track somewhere else from the album somewhere else by profligate uh an act i had never heard of before um and uh this album is uh probably definitely one of those it's not going to be for um everybody um and that when i was listening to it i wasn't even sure if joe would like it so i actually sent it to you (laughs) as a link um just to test it out on you and you're like oh this is good i was like okay cool um i have no memory uh, of that (laughs) okay you said it slaps i believe um but you say that about a lot of things um (laughs) anyway um so um definitely listen to it loud because i just listened to it quiet for the first time it does not work as well um but uh there is i guess dark wave is the name for this genre I am not a dark wave aficionado, so you know, tell me if there's a lot of dark wave out there that I'm missing. But um, I am here for uh, anything that's like sort of um, grim and dark uh, and synthesized, um, but also has uh, a very strong rhythmic element, particularly one that's sort of off-putting, like that um, you know three-beat uh, rhythm there. And, uh, yeah, basically it reminds me of like the B sides to amnesiac, which is kind mm. of my favorite little, of a uh, mini version of Radiohead. So, um, uh, I don't know. This is another piece of music this, uh, quarter that just like sort of puts me in a place, a very weird mind state that is not, um, accessible through other means really that, but you know, that, is not like uh, uh, pointless as a result, but is, you know, it's just sort of very ominous, but also contemplative, I guess is how I would put it. I don't know. I'm full of feelings about music this quarter, Joe. Mm. Um, uh, there's nothing wrong with feelings. Mm. Um, Paul, this, uh, this band uh, feels like it was created in a lab for you. Um, starting with <laughs> the, the name of the group. <laughs> profligate (laughs) just the kind of word you use (laughs) yes uh and then to the you know the techno dungeon idm i guess which is now now no it's called dark wave um which is a good name for a genre um absolutely it's an snm of the mind um and Uh, Sorry, that's very that's very funny, Joe. Uh, thank you. Um, yeah, it, you know, it wouldn't be it, uh, it it wouldn't be out of place on the Lost Highway soundtrack, uh-huh. um, where it's got that dark um, and yeah, uh, uh, cinematic feel to it. Um, um, uh, and and the the you know um the music kind of like ba- it balances on the edge of being uh too much um yeah. and you know with the being the dissonance and the the kind of like whining and the grinding but um you know that balancing act uh is is really intoxicating at times um and and you can't refute uh the um the power of it um um to uh change your mood and and yes give you a lot of hashtag feelings um and it does sound good loud um i think that's uh 
you know, when you get into this ear scratching feedback and dissonance um, that that shows up here, um, you do need to play it loud. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't know. It, it's it's interesting that um, I feel like this these kind of noises are almost familiar to me now from a lot of uh, they people yeah. have been making these um, uh, these sounds. I mean, for as long as they've had synths, but, um, you know, it's, it's certainly become, they also wouldn't be out of place on uh JPEG mafia album, for instance. Um, no. uh, and it's, it's interesting how much that's, uh, kind of, uh, it's become a common palette. Um, uh, but on the other hand, I think this album wins for the lowest number of listens on Spotify of any album we've talked about <laughs> on these best of lists. I think all the songs had less than 10 K listens, which, uh, which I was, yeah. surprised, I was surprised about considering that. I mean, it, maybe this is overestimating the power of pitchfork, but I feel like if pitchfork reviews your album and gives it a decent review, that f- should guarantee you 10,000 listens for at least one of your songs, but apparently not. Interesting. I mean, so I just actually reread the Pitchfork review. It's like, it's one of those weird reviews where it's like, this album is powerful and very interesting. And the guy does all these clever things, 6.8, yes. you know, which is like a, a C minus from them. Um, right. So I don't know if it's, if that counts as a solid review or not, but um, uh, yeah, I think, I think there is, I, I I take this as a good reflection on Pitchfork that they will put up reviews of, you know, weird art house shit that nobody actually listens to. Um, so good for them. Um, you're totally right about it being uh, built in a lab for me. Um, those detuned synths, uh, though. Um, but uh, yeah, I uh, I totally agree. Also, that it verges on being precious. I mean, just like that somebody who can kind of only barely sing would spend that much time singing that broodingly is, um, you know, it, it could verge into comedy territory, but, uh, uh, I like it. It's extremely well produced. I think, um, at least the percussion is, is, uh, it, it pops as I like to say it to myself. Mm -hmm. Maybe they say that as well. Anyway, uh, good album. Thank you for appreciating it, Joe. Uh, you're welcome. Um, okay. Uh, I have one album. We each have one album left left. Um, so let's, uh, let's take a little, do we want to end on a happy note or a sad note? Why don't you pick? So let's, we could talk, uh, we could talk Mount Erie first. Let's go there first. (laughs) Okay. We'll play the first track from now only. I sing to you. I sing to you. I sing to you You don't exist I sing to you though When I address you Who? 
I recorded all these songs about the echoes in our house now and then walked out the door to play them on the stage but I sing to you I picture you when we first met you were 22 I drove my truck onto the ferry to Victoria in the morning where we met and talked forever in your apartment with evening falling So I brought my blankets in and slept on the floor right next to your bed In the morning, barely awake, I saw you standing right above me Peeling an orange and looking hungry Do you want some? You ask me and then just avalanche Okay, I had to turn that song off um, before I started sobbing, um, that is Tin Tin <laughs> in Tibet by Mount Erie uh, from his album Now Only. Mm-hmm. A sort of sequel to his album last year, uh, A Crow Looked at Me, in that they are both about his recently deceased of cancer um, and apparently a thoroughly remarkable wife, um, Genevieve. Um, and uh, so I have listened to that song all the way through now. Uh, just twice, and I have <laughs> sobbed both times, um, which no other music, I think, can claim <laughs> that rate <laughs> of just making me break down in tears. Two of two. Um, yeah, exactly. Um, this uh, this album, to me, is uh, definitely the most uh, just remarkable uh, album that came out this year. I have a feeling that a crow looked at me as just as good and I couldn't bring myself to listen to it again because it was so sad. Um, but anyway, we're talking about now only. Um, so it's, uh, it's six tracks and they're all about, um, what it's like to be him with, uh, his daughter and his recently deceased wife. And, um, you know, it's, you would think that something like this would just be maudlin in the extreme and because it almost always is. Um, uh, but he is, um, just, uh, extremely sad about it. And he's talking to you about how sad it is. And he's talking to you about how he's talking to you about how sad it is because this album goes on an, uh, extremely, uh, self-consciously meta level, of uh you know talking about not only um the thing he's talking about but talking about talking about that thing but talk and then talking about the implications of that and the philosophical uh and even metaphysical um uh, ways in which that does and doesn't make sense as a thing to do um but then as you heard in that sample we just played just now you know where he sort of just launches into uh, an explicit thesis statement of what's going on with this music and then he'll sort of all of a sudden rush headlong into this really specific detailed scene describing uh, in, you know, uh, just utterly heartbreaking uh, uh, fashion, the uh, specific human interactions that make this such a horrible thing when a young person, particularly a young parent and spouse uh, dies for no reason. Um, And uh, you know, it's not just, that um you know uh, i've spent a long time for uh, the first several tracks on this album last time i listened to it being like yeah man where is uh where's the daughter in all this and then he brings the daughter in 
and it's like the story of the daughter uh, asking for the record of her mother singing and then putting it together and i lost it again there um and uh i don't know this totally shouldn't work for somebody to not only sing about this subject matter but be so meta about it but um the fact that he uh just as he was with the uh, as the microphones 15 years ago just writes his sort of uh, indie folkish music in such a weird way where it will just completely he'll just completely change ideas at the drop of a hat um, and uh, also I think the fact that he's a truly terrible singer helps make it work hmm. um, because it's uh, it seems more heartfelt somewhat that he's just sort of warbling tunelessly the way that I would if I were singing like this um, that makes it seem, I mean, that's, I guess the idea behind lo-fi and punk is that, that rawness, uh, actually works. So I don't know, Joe, were you shattered by this album? What is good singing anyway? Just, <laughs> this just, is effective singing for sure. Man, it's just <laughs> what the man tells us is good singing. Um, no, yeah. um, I, I would have never called him a bad singer, but you, that is true. He is, but I would never think of him that way. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, so, I mean, you know, okay, so this album and A Crow looked at me. Uh, we'll talk about them together. I mean, I, I, because they um, are both extremely difficult to listen to, and that is because of his skill as a songwriter, uh, which, you know, unfortunately he he was just, he's he was so good at telling telling a story and finding these, uh, compelling, meticulous details um, before this tragedy befell him, um, that he mm-hmm. is the perfect person to sing about it oh. uh, in such terrible uh, or such heartbreaking fashion. Um, and uh, I think that for this album, compared to A Crow Looked at Me, you know, I found this album perhaps even more powerful because it was a little more relatable. Um, a crow mm-hmm. looked at me had uh, was kind of the writing of a mystic and it was impenetrable to those who have not been, um, you know, don't understand the text who haven't been initiated mm-hmm. to that kind of sadness or who don't like really know more of the details uh, about him and about the situation. Whereas here, uh, I think he's, he's gathered himself more and he's able to tell more of these stories. And of course that only makes them more uh, devastating to hear at times. And, and the details are even more evocative of, like you said, these, all these, um, scenes and situations that you wouldn't think of. Um, but mm-hmm. that now he's now lived through, um, you know, I, 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 my favorite song on the album is the, uh, which is weird to say about an album like this, um, is the, the title track now only, um, where, you know, like you said, it gets really meta where he talks about going to a party in the desert and playing these songs oh, yeah. at a, you know, in Arizona at a, at a festival. Um, um, but I think that that there's like this hint of recovery that matters in, in that song um, that gives the unrecovered parts uh, power and context and also, you know, brings it back, you know, out of this sort of fugue state that he was in on the last album to something that is at least relatable as, as a human. Um, even if you haven't gone through this particular 
uh, uh, tragedy, um, which, you know, did wish on, on absolutely no one. Um, and, um, uh, there's a line in that song, you know, it, it felt so absurd to still be alive. And I felt like that's really, you know, uh, that message along with, you know, the need to keep telling this story and, and kind of relate the way he's feeling just as he's sort of, you know, seeing this bigger idea of like, it's absurd that any of us are alive. It's absurd that we're not obsessed with the fact that we're going to die, you know, that, and we have to make up all this, these reasons for the reason, like we're still alive and other people aren't. And, um, like there's something to, um, you know, we're all kind of like in the same experience. You know, we all, we're all kind of where he is in a way that like, it's it's absurd that we're still alive and um you know it just kind of finding that universal message in his suffering um makes listening to this album worth it since it is so incredibly difficult to listen to um, yeah yeah <laughs> um yeah, the the absurdism you were or absurdity you were just referring to um is uh uh I, fi- I I I think I appreciate that he's um I don't know if he's self-consciously doing this, but he's almost sort of like making a uh a document uh, a sort of mystical meditation document for hardcore materialists as opposed to dualists in the philosophical sense. Uh like like him and me who are just like you know completely uh uh uninterested uninspired by the idea of an afterlife or um uh an enduring spirit of any kind um but still um wrestling with that in a with that uh perceived reality in a um uh very human and moving and uh conflicted way um mm-hmm. uh that I think is what I really like about this because I mean, you know, 99.999% of the time a song is about somebody that is dead. Um, we are talking about, uh, spirits and souls and, uh, heaven and so forth. And, uh, here's somebody who, um, without relinquishing a bit of sentiment, um, about life or his situation or his beloved is, uh, uh, singing um singing about the a situation where none of that can be true and uh doing it beautifully so yes yeah worth a listen but maybe only one <laughs> i'm gonna listen to it four times i'll bring myself to do it it is so oh man i mean you know the this the saddest uh stories of love are always also um life affirming in their ridiculous way i don't know why Indeed. To say. Let's talk about Casey Musgrave. Let's talk about some country music. <laughs> Casey Musgrave. Uh, we're going to listen to the song Slow Burn from her album Golden Hour.
Casey Musgraves, uh, one of the uh, best young songwriters uh, out in country music um, with a, a knack for writing really believable, relatable lyrics, um, as well as a uh, compelling, uh, charming girl next door voice. And uh, this album, her third, I believe, um, it, it caught my attention because I heard uh, that song a few times, uh, Slow Burn. And uh, I just, I, I loved, this is kind of a recurring theme this this quarter, but I loved her ability to, to paint a scene. And I found myself taken by the, the light, but... Um, absolutely relatable sentiment of of this these moments she was depicting of everyday life and neglecting your responsibilities to have a little more fun and kind of you know walking around a little drunk just kind of enjoying you know uh, the the flowers along the street etc cetera, etc cetera. Um, uh, which I find difficult and I find uh, it's not easy to write hey it's not easy to write good pop songs um it is not no no um and she writes really good ones and uh she likes to several these songs reference she likes to get stoned um she likes (laughs) to drink um she seems to have uh you know um a charming innocence about her um which i get you know i will say i think it's a you know i was conflicted as they would be with almost any country record, there are inherent flaws in country music. Not, I don't think they're they're required, but certainly in like what people um, expect of it. Expect of it. Um, so you'll end up with some songs that are kind of anodyne or, or too slight and mm-hmm. just you know this album uh it definitely that that happens and there's some you know incredibly common themes and when i was like well you know i really i enjoyed listening to this it's a fun pop album it's got that i keep wanting taylor swift to make like an early taylor swift album um when she was still yeah. doing country and that's what this is although i think better I, ultimately what it came down to i was like well you know a lot of for instance the girl rock i listened to like the girl alt grunge I listen to now has a lot of like really common themes and tropes and sounds too. And while those might be um, more artfully done or more, uh, I don't know, artistically, uh, like creatively 
um, justified yeah. uh, that ultimately that it wasn't enough of a reason, you know, it, that that kind of said, well, you know, I, people could say that about the music that I typically listen to. So I won't disqualify this just for like the inherent flaws of country music. And um, it did not open the floodgates to me putting six country music albums on my list. Um <laughs> But it did put this one on. I really, I've been, I enjoy this album, um, and uh, I. This is my first Casey Musgraves experience, um, and uh, she seems to be a good country singer. We should, um, we should next quarter have our ten or whatever albums, just with a straight face, just be straight up Nashville country <laughs> yes. albums, and we just don't say anything about it like this is why the florida georgia line is definitely my favorite album that oh, came out God. in june <laughs> they man they they <laughs> suck they are terrible <laughs> they're very bad um so that's funny i i went through the same uh struggle you just talked about like wanting to be like oh well this is just like high horse you know like this is just doing the pop song thing of finding a common situation everybody finds themselves in and uh rendering it in fairly generic terms so that um, uh, anybody can sing along and be happy, which first of all is not a mortal sin. There's plenty of great music that does that. And, and then, but also I was sitting there thinking like, okay, so, uh, or, you know, when she like puts the little, uh, I assume affected twang in her voice when she sings, Mm -hmm. like nobody talks like that anymore. Um, uh, Some people do, but, um, (laughs) Mostly teens just all sound like teens nowadays. Um, not that she's a teen. Um, the, uh, you know, I'm like, oh, come on. But then I'm like, yeah, you know, if uh, Abby Reimold is, uh, or, or the Dilly Dally girl are like uh, shredding their throats uh, for singing, I guess that is exactly as much <laughs> of a thing that right. people do that is not just like a natural thing with their voices that is just totally a thing. Um, uh so I, I basically tend to agree that um, it would be chauvinistic to, uh, uh, to look down on this album um, for uh, being a country album, basically. Um, uh, that said, you know, like, I think the, just the slightness of some of the songs was what kept me from being like, you know, I, I feel like I could have uh, tried to really, really be into this album, but I would have been sort of grading it on a country curve. Right. Um, uh but which is fine if you want to do that there are definitely some really good songs she definitely um has a nice voice in a way with melody and high horse is a fun uh pop song for sure um i just realized today i had not played this album for uh, my wife and i am sure that she will be into it (laughs) um so i will definitely put this in front of her because i will not be sad to have it on um around me when i'm not listening to my own music um so, uh, yeah, another respectable choice that I wasn't like clamoring to sign up, uh, sign on with, but, uh, uh, I think Casey Musgraves will, uh, you may have picked a Grammy winner as one of your best of the quarter, oh. Jim. I don't know if you'll be able to look down the shame, look down the shame of that. Uh-oh. She's, she, she's, she's gotta be at that critically acclaimed popular success nexus that tends to win, uh, middle brow awards like the Grammys. So yes, we will see. I think Radiohead has run won a Grammy. The Smashing Pumpkins won a couple Grammys. Oh, that's true. Yeah, Fuck, you're right. Yeah. But not there's you're a right. difference between the Grammys now are even worse. So yeah, 
Well, and and it's acceptable to win an alt rock Grammy because they don't really know what they're talking about and they just True. pick whatever is popular. Um, if you win the main Grammy, like that's you you got you got to explain yourself is all I'm saying. Yes, that's um, troublesome. <laughs> Problematic. You don't, you don't think they'll give it to Pusha T? No, although the story of Adidon certainly should be track yes. of the year. Now that would be the. Can you believe? Imagine if they had the real Grammys, where like, where like they actually <laughs> did shit like that and considered. And they make like Drake and Pusha T like sit next to each other in the audience, waiting yes. to see who's announced. Yes, that would be awesome. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, that no, I I think this uh, did go back to this album. Uh, it is uh, also one of my. Uh, wife's favorites there you go uh we're not being chauvinistic though and in, in mentioning that it's just good <laughs> it's a good thing yeah. um and uh yeah i think there is a um maybe the last thing i'll say about it is that it, I, I do enjoy you know uh kind of discovering where it you know intercepts some of the um to the more country-minded um indie rockers i you know listen to like jenny lewis or nico case um uh they you know they have more in common than you you know you maybe you expect them to have something in common but then you know it's it's a little different than you might imagine it's more the the attitude and the approach that is often the same even if the music here is you know much much more poppy and and the songwriting is serving a, a different purpose um uh it's it's just good to um uh dive into find something in a genre you don't like that much that you can uh dive into um absolutely i still believe there'll be there'll be an era of like really fucking awesome country sometime again once again someday yeah uh yeah i was gonna say earlier i actually this album kind of makes me want to hear like the 65 year old casey musgraves like yes when she's doing her like returned into the roots sick of all this commercialized shit record um and her voice is a little more worn um that would be interesting um so we'll see cuz she's definitely more thoughtful and interesting than your classic country ingenue oh yes um, yeah for sure so i think that'll age well we'll see uh okay paul I yeah. believe we have we've talked it out. We have defined Q1 for a generation. Um yeah, good quarter. Um I I enjoyed it. Uh-huh. Uh do you have any final thoughts? Uh we do like to try to pretend like it's possible to sum things up. Even though high school Joe would have revolted at the very notion of comparing cross cross author comparison like that mm, yes um, i would have uh, i would have <laughs> responded with a stream of consciousness that faulkner would be uh proud of um <laughs> but no my consciousness has died and there is only uh an id <laughs> floating um in a sea of beer um but yeah so i don't i don't think i'd be able to conclude anything um other than uh, it's, uh, I will say that I had fun looking for people, looking more this quarter at people's um, kind of specific best of lists. Like I really dived into um, like the the best 
people's favorite hip hop albums of like mm. 2018 so far and and um just looking more at kind of like what people were talking about um outside of what was getting like amazing reviews on pitchfork and stuff like that and you know they ended up intersecting a fair bit but um i i liked doing that sort of deep dive nice um i didn't do anything new like that so congratulations <laughs> to you um and uh i'll talk to you soon buddy people should connect right. with us twitter email website savagespod.com we'll talk to you there yes uh cool. good night good night